This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking to Linda Reisman, Director of Emergency Management at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in Manhattan, about the organization's recent experiences with Hurricane Irene. Thanks for joining us today, Linda. Hi, how are you? Please describe your role as Director of Emergency Management and how you work with others on disaster recovery and business continuity issues. As Director of Emergency Management, I'm responsible for the hospital's overall emergency preparedness. Uh, I coordinate with uh, our business continuity planning group here, and of course, we are very heavily involved uh, with our uh, IT department and uh, their disaster recovery uh, processes. Now, I understand your hospital accepted about 13 patients from other hospitals that were evacuated because of the hurricane. What challenges did that create for those involved in the planning effort, and did you have access to those patients' electronic records? Well, essentially, we received a phone call from one of the nearby hospitals uh, to receive their cancer and bone marrow patients because our hospital, obviously, is a cancer specialty hospital. Obviously, uh, since we're not normally a 911 receiving hospital, uh, we don't normally get a volume of patients in at one time, uh, such a surge. But uh, it did create certain challenges, obviously. Uh, we were able to surge as we, as we needed to. As far as electronic medical records go, there was not a transfer of electronic, electronic medical records. As I understand, uh, face sheets were uh, transferred uh, via fax. The hospital that was evacuating had over 450 patients or 500 patients to evacuate, and I think that there was no real time since they had, within 24 hours, they had to evacuate. There was no real time to try to coordinate uh, electronic medical process. So um, I, I think it went very well, very well. Patients were pre-registered and went through the pre-admissions process uh, since we had some advance warning, and as I understand it, within uh, 45 minutes to an hour, uh, 13 patients were delivered to our hospital and were uh, in their rooms without incident. I guess you had some warning about the approaching storm. I understand that you customized your disaster plan for the specific situation that you faced. So when it comes to information technology, what specific challenges did the storm pose and how did you address them and how did you address staffing issues? Well, so I think just doing overall mitigation and specializing the plan to such a, a severe water event, we really were worried about flooding. It might have been a a hurricane uh, in terms of a Category 1 in terms of wind, but from a water standpoint or a flooding standpoint, it was the equivalent of a, of a Category 3. With information technology, obviously, you're worried about the stability uh, and the infrastructure of, of actually the areas that house your, your, your IT infrastructure. We were worried about flooding to those areas and to our backup centers because it was such a regional storm. So some of the pre-mitigation things that we did you know, were, were sandbagging and making sure that pumps were in place, making sure that our facilities and our IT facilities specifically were identified for the local emergency management groups as a, as a critical infrastructure that in the event flooding occurred, uh, it would be uh, high on their, on their priority list. Staffing issues, I know our IT department uh, absolutely had additional staff. We actually developed the plan for them uh, where folks could sleep and actually live there if they had to, and that includes bedding, uh, food, uh, extra water, emergency battery-operated lighting, large-scale lighting and things, so that we absolutely would uh, be able to have some business continuity in those areas uh, in the event power and other things were lost. Uh, Our backup center does have a generator 
and we just wanted to make sure, obviously, that that, that was going to be remain stable. W- one thing that we did do is that we reorganized our hospital incident command system to actually have uh, an IT chief with very specific and delegated roles to folks both in the data centers and, and throughout the hospital. And I think that involving them in that level of planning and in that high level of incident command uh, is, is, is a critical component for any hospital to identify. Because usually your IT guys, uh, you know, the guys that, like, you know, the, they're the IT geeks, they know everything, and uh, your CIO sometimes is involved but not as involved in the planning levels as they were uh, when you're doing, doing it through an incident command structure. So I, I find that uh, as a recommendation to everyone to, to really involve these folks overall in your incident management planning uh, throughout your hospital, not just uh, from a disaster recovery standpoint. So did you ever lose power during the storm? We never lost complete power during the storm. I know that there were some power losses in the area, but we did prepare for power loss. We anticipated losing phone, IT voiceover. We made sure that our uh, what we call POTS lines or plain old telephone lines or emergency red phones were all operational. Our IT department went out, uh, assessed areas for emergency power, making sure that critical IT components were uh, within the vicinity of emergency power and could reach it. Phone lists were sent out for uh, the uh, plain old telephone lines so that in case IT voiceover failed, we had that communication capability. We did a lot of mitigation uh, in terms of looking at uh, uh, where, where we might have to relocate certain areas, even our telecom areas. So we had pre-designated areas around the hospital where if we had to move our telephone operators because of flooding or power loss, that we were assured that uh, we had areas both for pharmacy and for other critical areas of the hospital to relocate to. And IT did a pre-assessment of those areas and telecom to assure that we were able to transfer that equipment if necessary to another area of the hospital. So did you have uh, redundant ways to communicate with the IT staff during the emergency then? Yes, we did. Aside from having satellite phone capability, we have air cards, uh, multiple uh, cell phone providers, uh, e-notify system, which is an AMCOM-based type of a messaging system, Vocera, uh, Nextel, and radios, our regular radio uh, voice system, you know, over UHF and VHF. And we made sure uh, way back when that we had that capability. In addition to that, this is just like a, obviously a post-9-11 thing from our experiences and post-9-11 of losing communications. One other thing that we did I thought was, was very important was in addition to the radios and the Nextels and things like that, um, making sure that we had a redundant email system as well um, and that we could fall over if necessary uh, into another email system and having a backup in our Outlook systems as well. So the redundancies are over and over and over again, and uh, that was just a great lesson learned from 9-11 that uh, if a tower goes down or especially in a wind and rain situation like this, you just don't know what's going to be up. Um, we have a backup system, obviously, a backup data center as well, and um, we were just really sure that uh, we, we had enough in place so that we would not lose communications. So what lessons did you learn from your experience, and what advice would you give to other hospitals about disaster recovery plan based on uh, the hurricane? Well, I, th- I think the fact that we did business continuity planning with a number of uh, our, our critical infrastructure departments here uh, gave us a lot of insights into um, things what I call assumption planning. Everyone assumes that someone else is going to do something for them in a disaster. And when you start to drill down and really look at what people's strategies are, 
you realize that a lot of times that they're not valid or that they just made certain assumptions that things would be taken care of for them. And I think in any type of business continuity or disaster recovery type planning from an IT perspective, you just want to make sure that the upstreams and downstreams of, of, of your impacts are taken into consideration in your planning and that you drill down really, really deep to see if the strategies that other people are putting in place are indeed valid and the assumptions that they make are indeed valid. Overall, business continuity planning is very separate and distinct in one way from emergency planning in terms of the types of strategies and drill downs that we do because it's not incident specific, it's really class specific. But yet we have to work very closely both with our DR people and our business continuity people uh, or else emergency management in and of itself won't won't work. Um, You need to have a much broader perspective. Um, Technology now uh, is is exponentially uh, increased, obviously, uh, throughout our industry and to not take your uh, IT uh, uh, folks and, and involve them at a, at, a, at a level of emergency planning and business continuity overall is a, is a grave mistake. Um, and we learned that uh, it's, it's, a collective, uh, it's a collective process here at the hospital. It's never stopping. We always are constantly reevaluating. And one more thing is that when you do construction or relocate areas, you really, really need to do an assessment to make sure that your emergency power is there, that your uh, electrical outlets are there, that your IT equipment is backed up with that capability. Um, and a lot of times with the rapid construction that's going on, uh, sometimes some of these things are overlooked. So that, those are my recommendations. And, and have you made any changes in your whole approach as a result of your experience? Well, we're going to be having our first uh, large after-action meeting. We had a, uh, we actually just debriefed everyone through uh, an online survey, um, and we had over 100 people uh, in our incident uh, command process uh, answer us in the survey, and we're actually collating that data now. What you really have to do is, is listen to what folks say, because sometimes um, you're a planner. You may look at things from one perspective, but you really need to go down to the folks that actually do this on a day-to-day basis and not discount their ideas and to really listen really hard about what they think would be a better process. The more information that you have in planning, the better. If you think your theories are are, are good, that's one thing, but you need to validate everything that you do. And what I learned um, from this planning is that no matter how hard you plan, there's always a better way to do stuff, and there's always a better way to approach it and and, and to really, really listen to folks. Um, And I think we've done that all along, but I think this lesson taught us that uh, what you think you have in place could always be improved, and there's always a challenge that will arise. So you have to really think um, about the what-ifs. Uh, a lot of people don't like to do that. They think it's wasteful in time because it'll never happen, uh, the high impact, low probability. But, you know, um, when you do it, it makes your plan stronger overall. So um, that's my advice. Don't discount the high impact, low probability. Good strategies come out of that for all your planning. Well, thanks, Linda. We've been talking today with Linda Reisman of Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so very much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.HealthCareInfoSecurity.com.